Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. On Zach's Skype profile, there's a quote that I want to share. It's a Chinese proverb, and it states, It's better to walk a thousand miles than to read a thousand books. It's pretty incredible that with Rewalk, you can gain an experience and a lifestyle change that a book could never provide. Huge thanks to Rewalk for allowing us to borrow Zach for the duration of this episode. And Zach, thank you for caring about the disability community and wanting to make positive change where you can. This world needs more people like you. Thank you. Zach always likes to tell users, what if there was a cure for SCI one day? Wouldn't you want your body as ready and as healthy as it can be? As a woman with a lower body disability of paralysis, I couldn't agree more with him. If I can keep my body as strong as possible, then I too could be a part of a cure, and I too could be able to reap the benefits of such an incredible device that could truly change my life. Come along with me and hear about Rewalk from the guru himself, Zach. Episode 19. I apologize in advance for my fur children. Yes. You know what? I have fur children too. So we're just going to do the best we can. And the nice thing is I have power to edit. So if they, if your dogs bark and then my dogs bark or vice versa, it'll be fine. Seriously. All good. So thanks. Thanks for being flexible. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really excited because I'm going to start interviewing different like organizations that I'm really proud of, or like, I think the listeners would, you know, benefit from hearing the story of these said um, organizations. And one thing I want to do as I get deeper into this podcast world is have that be organizations that would help people, you know, you know, struggling with disability or suicide or depression or, you know, family trauma. I mean, I just think that when we think of wellness, it's like, well, what does that mean for someone who is given the horrible news, right, that they can't ever walk again? And so you obviously and Rewalk was something that shot right up to the top of my list. The other two people that I'm going to interview are Dan Tun from Dare to Try in Chicago. He and two other women, um, actually one of them came on the podcast for the 4th of July episode, Melissa. Anyway, they all brought paratriathlon to the Chicago community. So it's just really, really cool that like, People know that like, hey, if you're in a chair or you can't walk, you can still do paratriathlon. So I'm excited to have him on. And then the other person is um, Kelly Brush. She uh, started the Kelly Brush Foundation and they actually awarded me a hand cycle to be able to compete in Dare to Try. So um, yeah, it's just really, really cool that there are these different organizations that help people live a more normal life. So you and Rewalk are one of them. So I'm just excited (laughs) to have you on. Zach, I heard about you and Rewalk when I was in cancer treatment, 
And I had seen a YouTube video someone shared with me, or I was probably just browsing, I'm not sure. But it was um, of the Obama presidency, and he had met with a couple wounded veterans who had done the rewalk. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing, especially going newly into, you know, my own cancer journey and disability paralysis. So it was just super inspiring to see that. Do you mind just kind of sharing with the listeners what Rewalk is, who you are, when your journey with them began, and whatever else you want to say? Well, sure. Buckle up and strap in, I guess. Um, my, uh, so I'm Zach, uh, Zachary Waugh. I am, by background, a physical therapist, uh, educated and licensed in the profession here in the state of Michigan. Um, I started my career really in the Ann Arbor area, um, so go blue to any of the Michigan fans out there. But, you know, I've always had an interest in human movement and tackling any deficits in human movement from a very mechanistic but also personal approach. So I started off treating in kind of your everyday sports orthopedic clinics, uh, really just getting comfortable developing my hands and developing my clinical mind um, and always just finding myself curious to learn more. I come from a line of engineers on one side of the family and nursing on the other side of the family. So I think if you were to take the two, put them together, a PT is kind of a natural bred career path for someone, right? So I've had the pleasure in my first few years being licensed, really getting to know and to treat people across a range of uh, ability and and, and pathology and, and context. I was in PT school. I had that grad assistantship where I had the chance to work with power mobility trainers with little kiddos who really couldn't operate any level of, of assistive devices of their own. These these were kids who couldn't really be agents of their own uh, behavior, their own movement, their own real kind of maintenance to their own lifestyles. Um, and it was a really uh, it was a really life changing experience, to say the least, just because I, I got so much more from those kids than they got from me. Yes, yes, that's so cool. Now, can you explain what that device looked like, Zach, and how those kiddos were able to operate the device and how powerful it was for you to see a kiddo who generally couldn't communicate or walk alongside you? Talk yeah. a little bit about that and how just seeing their freedom with this device was really empowering to you because I want to make sure I get you saying those things. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, there's a little bit of background. Grand Valley was really good. The PT school that I went to uh, was really good about placing students in graduate assistantships that really kind of grew them clinically as well. And for me, I had the opportunity to get placed at a very specific school in West Michigan that uh, classified as SXI, which stands for severe cognitive and motor impairment. So these are probably the most debilitated kids that you're going to run into. Um, you know, they really don't have a lot of autonomous control of their own lives for much of it, whether it's their own movement, their own feeding, their own playing, unfortunately. So in conjunction with Grand Valley's engineering program, Grand Valley's PT program helped to develop essentially a rolling platform that a manual wheelchair could be fastened to, to then automate the chair. So, um, you know, most- Like a car seat, you said? Yeah, the car seat was for the so that's a play mobility device, and then there's a power mobility device. So there were two okay. that were that were two two available, essentially the same concept. Where once you anchor this 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 wheelchair into the platform, 
then there's a tray that can sit in front of the child or I can put different toggles and switches around the handles of their chair. So that way, maybe if they're stuck in a certain pattern, maybe if they break free a little bit of that pattern, they can hit one side of the button or the other. So now the kid can spin or move forward or go backwards. And, and it really okay. emphasized the notion of driving to learn rather than learning to drive because our movement, especially growing up, is so synonymous to development and learning and growth uh, as kids. So when children don't have that, certain elements of their learning and their and their maturation take a hit. Um, for instance, you know, decision making, socialization, um, critical thinking. Um, these are all things in one way or another tied to movement. So my role at the school was to help create tasks and games and environments so that these kids could use this device with appropriately kind of outfitted buttons and, and switches so that way they could have fun and, 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 and really gain something from it. You know, the school did have a physical therapist there. So her and I kind of worked together to critically evaluate what this patient's, you know, patient's child's, uh, you know, background was, what their movement capabilities were, because there were some who could find grip the switch and actually move it to some degree. They just eventually they got so excited, maybe their spasticity kicked in and then fall off the switch. Um, yeah. But for instance, you know, I had one child who was he's a big football fan, big University of Michigan fan. So what we would do is we would set up I would use those old cardboard blocks and I'd make field goal posts. Um, and I'd set up a little obstacle course. And his goal was to Aww. basically like score a touchdown. Right. Yeah. Um, and what kid doesn't like knocking a big stack of blocks over. Right. You know? So I, you know, I'd put the I'd put that field goal post in different areas. And his goal was to, you know, run into him and knock him over. So at no point was I telling the child, hey, grab this switch, hit this one. It was more like I'm going to put the switch where this child could be most successful. Yeah. Uh, and then that must have been so cool to witness, Zach. And like you had mentioned, too, that a lot of these kiddos were in chairs that like provided pressure relief, but they were by no means an athletic chair that really right. let them explore what they were capable of doing. Most of these chairs look like big strollers. Yeah. Uh, so they're not propelling themselves. So, I mean, you, you got to think from the perspective of a parent moving these children's chairs often requires them to push from behind. So they're not really able to interact with their child unless they have like a mirror or something on the front of the chair, right. um, which I have seen. I've seen a few of those. Um, but, you know, imagine being able to gift to a parent the, the idea that maybe you can be on the side of your oh. child for, for a minute um, while they're while they're motoring along. And, and that's was, I think, probably one of the, the biggest uh, endpoints that we'd hit you know, in my time at the school was we had a child who really just had, I mean, to put in perspective, if he wanted to get around, the only way he could would be to roll on the floor. He, yeah. All of his joints were locked up except his neck. He, you know, it really, his head was his only connection to the world. Um, so we yeah. figured out that if we put switches on the left and right sides of his head wow. and then actually, um, behind his head if he hit that switch behind his head he could move forward um and he would stop anytime i stopped moving and if i turned he turned so he, he you know he picked it up and we, yeah. we kind of started playing with that a little bit more I'm like 
has he been evaluated for his own actual power chair? Wow. Um, and it turns out that he hadn't yet. And, and, and this, I think, helped strengthen that conversation that in this child's life, it would be appropriate for him to be evaluated for his own power chair because you, you put a couple head arrays on that power chair. He may be an independent user of it. Um, right, right. That is so incredible. I mean, we think about all the kiddos that are born with, like you're saying, that SXI kind of realm of diagnoses that don't get this kind of attention and this kind of assessment and this kind of opportunity, quite frankly. And it's pretty, pretty empowering. Again, it, it was the, the privilege was all mine. I mean, being able to uh, these these teachers that really dedicate their heart and souls, then you're wow. really seeing, again, just learning patterns emerge that otherwise wouldn't have been if they were just kind of left to their own devices. So um, again, I think my takeaway from that experience, obviously, how can using that equipment help them with the other things that they want to do? So. Right. Funding. How, how does this work? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I do think the school is publicly publicly funded. Um, I don't think it's a private school to say that this kid really doesn't fit the traditional streamline of an education system and needs to be pointed towards this specialized schooling that has a nurse and a caseworker, uh, I mean, a case manager or a social worker on, on site, as well as a licensed physical therapist. I certainly wasn't billing. I was just pulling kids out of their classrooms. The kids would recognize me. It really was kind of a, a, a day-by-day experience, not really knowing what to expect with the kids, but that was kind of the fun part was there really wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of pressure to, they need to be doing this. It really was, what is the best experience we can give them and what can we get out of it? Um, yeah, very cool. How can we help them play, even if it's just for a half hour? Yeah, yeah. And and certainly, you know, I, I think about all of the restrictions and the shutdowns that happened with this pandemic, rightfully so, in my completely unafraid, unbiased opinion. But it does have ramifications. I remember when I was at the school and they'd have a snow day and it was like a nightmare for these parents because they were probably working and school is probably a point of respite for these parents because, right. you know, in the other 16 hours of the day or what have you, those parents have to be the caregivers as well as the parents. Right. So it's, yeah. I'm struggling enough just to take care of two little dogs. Right. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> there really doesn't like from, from my clinical point of view, I'll, I'll spare you the, the super big soapbox. There's, there's anecdotal evidence that matters too, right? There, there's kind yeah. of a, a collection of, because like you see that and you you understand the need for kind of almost like a social worker and just well to your mechanical or engineering side. So that's really great. Very cool. So I really enjoy the aspect of helping people get to a better point of their own lives, but also doing so in a way that really takes into account how their how their bodies you know, and how their minds and how their spirits kind of uh, kind of come into play here. And it's, there's a very mechanistic kind of point of view there that kind of helps guide my decision making. So I'd been I'd been treating for a while and, you know, I realized that there were there were ways in which I wanted to provide more for patients. But it was difficult to do to no reason related to clinical difficulty. It wasn't I wasn't struggling because I didn't know how to get more range of motion out of X joint or get some body parts stronger. There were just outside constraints that were really making it difficult for me to to be the best me that I could for for these uh, for these patients that I was treating. And so I, I, I kind of started asking myself, you know, why is that? What are these constraints? And I realized they all kind of related to 
you know, business and logistics, you know, the actual pulse and climate of the clinical settings that I was in, you know, namely how patients were scheduled, how their visits were stacked on each other, the amount of time we had to spend to get certain levels of care billed for. So that became really frustrating to me because I realized I couldn't, I was, I was providing different levels of care to patients based on, again, constraints that were not related to their clinical presentation. So I started to self-educate a little bit and I, I realized, okay, if I want to be, if I want to be an, an advocate for a better solution here, if I want to really try to answer this issue that I'm having, especially so short in my career, you know, I really need to educate myself on the, the, the business of healthcare. And, you know, here I am in, at that time, in my mid twenties, trying to solve the healthcare business as a whole, you know, just by, you know, doing every sort of reading, um, you know, online seminars, things like that to really kind of educate myself. So that's where I, that's where I came across LinkedIn. And, um, you know, I, I made sure to update my profile just to make sure that it was being seen by other thought leaders in the industry. You know, I was able to access their premium account for free for like 90 days. Um, So that gave me access to some of their online classes. And again, just the audience that your profile gets advertised to really depends on what you're putting into it. So, you know, eventually I started kind of rebranding and saying, look, you know, I'm I am a, I'm a healthcare provider, but I am business minded. I am logistics minded and I would like to grow in those realms. And that eventually led me to being contacted by a recruiter working with Rewalk Robotics. And my first impression was, this is fake. This isn't real. Like what, you know, I, it didn't, it, it just seemed odd. Hey, you happen to live in this state and this company needs you. Yeah. And it it really just felt contrived, so to speak. Um, Yeah. I I didn't think much of it because I was like, this, this isn't real. Um, But you know what? I was like, well, let's click the link. Let's look at the website. I thought it was crazy how you were like, yeah, I thought it was spam. And it's like, I guess LinkedIn, I mean, we all know it's a powerful tool, but like even how you're saying with the premium account, like, didn't you say that people could see what classes you had done online? Yeah, you know, it was it was really strange. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, certain certain courses with that premium account would be showcased on your profile after you'd taken it. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm educated in this and this and and I say educated loosely. Right. It's not like I all of a sudden got an MBA overnight. It's. You know, I just I attended a few pre-programmed, you know, seminars and courses with, you know, like a five question quiz thing at the end. I mean, it wasn't wasn't groundbreaking material, but it was certainly more than what I knew previously. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of showcasing you as a professional, like you said, where you want to go, what you want to learn about. And that's just really cool. Again, I, I know that LinkedIn is a powerful tool, but I just didn't know to what degree it was. And like that a job that you love so much that could come from. LinkedIn. It's pretty cool. So little plug there for LinkedIn. But, you know, Zach and I want the listeners, you guys to know that, you know, don't, you know, sell yourself short. If you have an interest in an area, go explore that because who knows what could come from it. Right, Zach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd say, you know, LinkedIn is a very powerful tool and it's a powerful tool for people who are happy with their jobs, people who are looking for new work and people who are looking for employees. 
um, and just to stay up to date on, again, what thought leaders in industries are doing. Um, you know, it's not just physical therapists that I'm following on LinkedIn. There's, you know, there's nonprofit organizations that I'm following and, and a lot of big tech industries. Um, you know, there's uh, there's there's a lot of, um, you know, other leaders that really just when they say something, it's like, oh, you have my attention. So, yeah. Very cool. It's almost like a live resume for all these different organizations and individuals, right? I mean, is that kind of how you would say it for people that don't know what it is? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. It is a living, breathing resume. And um, I think in this day and age, you know, I think there's still a, uh, a sort of taboo culture around like posterizing your resume and, and because it, it almost seems to imply I'm looking, I'm looking for work and I'm not happy with my job. It's like, that's not true. I'm very happy. And if I would have stayed with the the companies that I was at prior to Rewalk, I would have also been happy. I just, that young in my career, I decided to adopt an opportunistic attitude. So you did this internship or whatever with school. And then how did you get like squared away with Rewalk then? How did you hear about it? What did you think (laughs) about it the first time you learned? Does everybody in PT slash engineering school know about Rewalk? Like what is your, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, so... I think people face a career identity crisis at some point in their you know, professional lives. And as a PT, your professional life really isn't starting until mathematically until at least your mid to late 20s, because you have the four years of college and the three years of PT school. Oftentimes people take a gap year or they stretch out their bachelor's degree, what have you. So um, and experience. You know. Experience is like the best teacher. But yes. but you're right. It's like for so long, a lot of us as young people, it's how well can you test? How well can you study? I got a lot better with my hands and I I really learned. You don't learn to become a clinician in PT school. You just really learn how to treat someone according to a very stipulated set of rules and ways. Like you, you, you don't get that experience until you're actually in the field. Um, right. Because so different. Like, yep. as, as you're saying, everybody's movement, abilities, disabilities, they're all so different. I want more. And I, I just, that, that mentality would always just nitpick me in the brain, like as I was developing my professional sense. Right. So it would, it would come to a head at, at various points in my career as kind of identity crises. So, you know, it's it's interesting because my background and my application where I'm at right now, it's not taboo, but it's not the norm. You know, to to leave traditional physical therapy so early in my profession, it was kind of a real lucky break for me. Not saying that when I'm doing my job well, I'm in a clinic, I'm interfacing with patients. There, you wouldn't know the difference between me working as a treating physical therapist versus me working for a company. And that's what I really like because I'm not a bang on the door, vacuum salesman kind of guy. I, right. fact, I, 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 I shiver at the thought of even ever being right. compared to that. Ever be, yeah, ever becoming that. Well, you're not. I mean, like you're saying, it's a niche that you have in this kind of realm And it's exciting for you. It's exciting for the people that you're going to bless one day with your knowledge and and your drive to really push and, yeah, kind of push the envelope because, heck, I feel like there's more people. We need more people like you, really, truly, because it really, though, because think about it. It's like there's plenty of, you know, regular physical therapists, right? Like, you know this. There's plenty of people that just say, oh, I want to get my physical therapy, you know, studies done. But there are less people that, like, want to keep pushing and figuring things out and helping people that need it. So I just think that that's really cool. 
you know, to, to defend the profession, right? Because a lot of my mentorship are still practicing physical therapists, even the, the instructors at my school, right? And it's it's a, I think the, the this field that I'm in is still fairly unknown. And that's yeah. like the, the, the taboo behind it because I'm not documenting, I'm not being prescribed patients under a plan of care, but I'm continuing to maintain my license, keep it current, keep myself educated. But really like why I made that jump was I found myself in situations when I was clinically treating that I couldn't provide the care that I wanted due to things outside of clinical control. It wasn't that they weren't advancing. It wasn't that there there was some clinical constraint that I couldn't help them overcome. It was there were logistical borderline bureaucratic things that really kept me from, hey, I, I can't deliver the care that I want to. So yeah. how do I find how do I find how do I be a better agent for that solution? Right. So when rewalk, I, I actually was applying uh, for MBA programs. I was going to look into business because I found that a lot of the solutions I was looking for were business focused. And, you know, I was like, I, I need to get educated in this realm so I can have this conversation and communicate in a language that makes sense to those that can influence this, because where I'm presently at, I can't influence that. I yeah. want to give them the top quality care that I could. I think that's a very good point you bring up. It It is. There's so much bureaucracy and a lot of that stuff, and it is really sad. that ha- We run into that with social work, too, and it's just like, ugh, please spare me. Huh. Well, the, the, you know, and I, and I feel you, you know, it, the, the PTs in the trenches, it's not their fault, right? Yeah. But yep. I couldn't do it in the way that I wanted and in a way that was work-life balanced for me. You know, I was educating myself in the realm of business, reading up a little bit on some of these niche routes that physical therapists can go. I, I had distinguished myself as someone that, you know, I, I think there's millions of physical therapists that are better than me, but better is a relative term, right? But I do think that I, I had demarcated myself as, all right, but he understands operationally what needs to exist in the confines of a clinic for that clinic to run well. Um, so so I, I think I took that 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 talent and I communicated that at least well enough on a LinkedIn page. You know, I got soon in touch with uh, my boss, uh, Craig Peters, who was holding my role, who now has moved up in leadership. I apologize for taking such a long point to get no. to where I'm at with Rewalk, but I, I think it's important. It's a for, big part. Yeah. It, it, it is because... I do feel compelled to educate the world that just because people have a certain title, you aren't constrained to that thing, right? Like I introduced myself as a physical therapist and, you know, I, I tend to get a better response than saying, hey, I'm a sales representative from Rewalk. Like it just doesn't doesn't have the same weight to it. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, yeah, lots of interviews back and forth. There were moments where I didn't think the job was going to be open anymore. But then I got made an offer uh, in early 2018 to work contracted at first, which was basically a prove yourself in six months kind of thing, like prove that you can kind of get started with this and then we'll take you on full time. No pressure. But my boss had done a great job in setting me up to succeed because he had a lot teed up that I was able to kind of jump right in and help carry to the finish line. And uh, yeah, actually, my, my very first clinic day was at the University of Michigan. And that patient ended up being the very first rewalk that I single-handedly kind of brought to the finish line to get approved. She had actually got it commercially approved through her uh, her insurance. So it was really kind of special um, kind of process. So that was kind of then, uh, that's, you know, early 2018, midway through 2018, they they bumped me to a, uh, you know, full-time status. 
Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, but not really a lot going on there. Then about six months into that, they're like, hey, we're kind of reorganizing a little bit. How do you feel about also taking on the the middle part of the South? And I'm like, oh. Dabbling in the possibility to someone who was like, hey, do you want to run the entire country? <laughs> well, yeah, not at, not at full country not level. Not entire, yet. I, but. I had, I had a big slice of the pie. And it was cool because at the time, there was a moment where my West colleague and my East colleague, we were all like this late 20s, early 30s PT. Oh, like cool. we are, the sales team was a young buck team and it was really cool. Um, we now have a team of six others who share my role. So that South Central portion got reassigned to someone who literally, who actually lives in Texas and has uh-huh. far greater contacts than I ever had. And she is a rock star from a cultural standpoint. I think we are all perfectly fitted for our territory. You know, you and I, we're, we're the Midwest Ope, you know, the everyone, yeah. let's, let's all be nice. Yeah. Fam. Like uh, we are perfectly suited for our territory. Our Northeast you know, they're, they they move quicker, you know, less frills, like get her done. West, yeah. Let's just take our time. So it's just like there's there's such a culture around the sales team of our company. I think it could not have been better assembled presently where we're at. Now, that's okay. just my experience. Well, that is so cool. That is just so, so neat. Yeah, because I was going to say, what do you do when were you traveling then to Illinois, Minnesota, the Dakotas? Like if someone say I wanted a rewalk and I had money and I had an insurance company that was ready to go, you would then travel and what would that look like? We branded this this clinic day process and I wish I could say I was the spearhead of, of it, but I, I came into this and learned about it. And then over the time we've helped perfect how it works. They fit all the screening because we we run through a pretty exhaustive screening with them. That's part of that's that initial process. You probably remember that when you and I were oh, talking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I got to make sure you don't have any broken bones. I got to make sure you fit the bill to use this equipment safely. I think it's a really good exercise of knowledge to work to rule things out. Now I can proceed. I think right. that is science enacted, right? It's less BS. It's quicker. I mean, you have to keep it streamlined a little bit, right? Like your time is valuable. Their time is right. valuable. So there's kind of an art form in having these conversations early on with users because I'm trying to gauge like, do they really want to use it? Are they physically capable of using it? Do they have the support to do so? Once we check those boxes and we do that enough, that's kind of one arm of it. The other arm is I have to be very selective on on how we're offering our technology because I I can't just show up at a at a at a sports clinic expecting there to be the right population. That would that would be a misuse of my time. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's a great segue for how these clinic days are built, right? It's like when we have that interested user, we send them over to the clinic with prescriptions and all of that. I bring a unit to the clinic, we get them fitted, and then we attempt to walk. You know, it's a very paced process. Especially in these times, we've, we've, we've learned that video evaluations are fantastic. Because if I can watch someone transfer from their wheelchair, if I can watch them get up in their stander, um, if I can watch them make a muscle with their arms, like, that helps to tell me and, and help me anticipate what challenges we might face. Absolutely. And you can learn a lot about them and what it's going to look like just from that initial video chat. Yeah. And it really also just depends on which partnership I'm working with. If I'm working with, um, you know, one of my clinics out in Minneapolis, they're, they're probably the best clinicians I've worked with with this technology. I do <laughs> I do nearly nothing besides the technical fitting. So I'm there. I'm just tightening bolts, and I give them the device. I'm like, here you go. 
have at it. And then I'm just there in the background because they have they have it down to a science. Yeah. So to, to catch everyone up, the rewalk is, uh, is 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 it's classified as an exoskeleton, uh, you know, device that allows people to stand upright and to walk. It's powered at the hips and the knees. So from a seated position, those hips can be flexed, extended. The knees can be flexed, extended to then help someone come upright and then to walk. And that is not a simple single step process. There's a lot that goes into fitting correctly into this unit. This equipment is is a it's 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 basically considered a an assistive device, robotic assisted, you know, robotic powered assisted device, because this is something that is going to provide an experience that nothing else can. And I think it's really, really important to distinguish culture around that you, you know that's that's a conversation i have to have commonly is is how important is adding the experience of standing and walking and 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 i'm able to have those conversations a little bit easier when the users understand that this is not a threat to what they're already doing in fact it may complement what they're doing so right. it's a supplement claire's she's yeah. an animal she's a, she's, a, she's a brit um i i've loosely connected with her just because I want to introduce myself. She lives on the edge. She will, she rides motorcycles. Dude, I would never get on a motorcycle. I don't care what kind of assistive, but at the same time, like, I think that is so freaking badass. Excuse my language, but it's like, she, she, I see her posting all the time, uh, all around LinkedIn and Facebook. And, and she just has, she's got a big following. One of the first guys I met with Rewalk, um, he'd, he'd already been a Rewalker before I came out of the company. He got his device and walked down the aisle for his for the groom of his best friend who was a groom for his wedding. Um, and there's video of that on YouTube. Todd, Todd Regelsberger, everyone, he, he wouldn't care. He's a great guy. Um, to me, that's pretty powerful. Um, yeah, you know, doing, doing the marathon that's awesome. That's badass. That's you're, you're a legend, right? But But this is important too. Yeah. To, to be able to say, I walked down the aisle for my best friend and I got to watch him get married and stand. I got to stand next to my best friend. Like it's such a, it's such a, you know, common term. Will you stand, will you stand in my wedding? Right. So it's, it's, it's like, that's powerful. You know, I've got people that, you know, when they stand in this, it's among the first times they're eye to eye with their spouse or, you know, they're like, Oh, my daughter's five, but I want to use this and dance with her at her wedding. It's like, like yeah, yeah. How do I keep myself from tearing up. So it's really been something special to work with a veteran, for instance, who's yes. three years back from his deployment back on injury from spinal cord injury. And, you know, he hasn't looked his wife eye to eye since maybe before he left. And, yeah. you know, we're putting them in a piece of equipment where now, you know, they hug each other and she's shorter than him. And yes. that's, that's a really, it's a really moving experience. And it really motivates me to do everything that I can to make this equipment accessible uh, to our appropriate users. I think it's really important when people are scrutinizing these really cool, sexy equipment that like we do have in mind the quieter moments in life too, that that also demonstrate value behind it. And, and, of and, course you and that's do. what it yes. should be, you know? Yep. 
I just wanted to quick tell you to be sure to check out pushdiariespodcast.com. I have uploaded a bunch of great resources I spoke about in this episode. And as usual, thanks a lot for listening. The, 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 the rewalk exoskeleton is powered at the hips and the knees um, and mechanically assisted at the ankles uh, to allow for sitting, standing, and upright activity, predominantly ambulation. Um, in other countries, the, the device can also provide stair functionality. Um, wow. And it's something that eventually we want to get to here in the United States, but we had to abide by a set of rules and policies indicating what this device was meant to be used for. Just like there are indications on a drug, there are also indications on medical devices. And this was something I didn't know coming into the physical therapy profession. Remember, I was working in more mostly sports outpatient. So the biggest piece of equipment I was ever prescribing was maybe a walker or a brace for someone. Um, sure. you know, uh, magnitudes different in complexity. Uh, so, you know, one thing I had to learn and learn fast was how is this equipment recognized legally and what can I be, you know, what uses can I be stating it for? You know, I don't want to overstate its functionality. Um, so yeah, the rewalk is, is powered at the hips and knees. It basically encapsulates the outside of your body. So when people ask how heavy it is or weight, it's really important to understand you're not carrying it over your shoulders and you're not wearing it because it, it's 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 the contact points are from basically the, the bottom of your sternum all the way underneath your feet. You're fully encased in the device. Right. Uh, it's not weighing you down. It's holding you up. Correct. It's it's providing stability when being upright. You know, you got to think with people who don't have volitional control of their lower body. Mm-hmm. That's mass that's unaccounted for. Um, yeah. you know, not, to, not to make light of it. But again, this is my engineering mind. Well, you know, it, it is it is funny, right? And I'm going to ask you the same question because I just I don't I've shied away from being weird about asking this question, but I've I'm always just um, you know, when I think about people who have spinal cord injury or or other lower limb dysfunction, they are able to use some level of to some degree, some might have residual function in their legs, and they can use that maybe spasticity as a leverage point for them to you know bear bear load or or keep themselves counterbalanced, uh, what have you. So I. I, I find myself, and maybe this is a little uh, little dark of me to ask, but like, are, are, are legs that aren't working the way you want, is it a nuisance that you'd rather just not have in the sense like, meaning, would you rather not have the legs or, or have them the way you do presently? Have you ever thought about that? Oh, totally. It's so funny you ask because I was, when I was in surgery, I literally asked my doctors, I said, are you just going to take my legs then? Because why do I want them? They're going to be in the way. Yeah. I mean, I've honestly thought the same things. I'm like, but, but truly for me, I'm glad that they didn't amputate my legs because <laughs> well, one, I could try the rewalk one day, which is incredible. And two, it's like, you know, one of, one of the things my doctor said was like, Tess, you wouldn't be able to like sit at the edge of your bed or like do a transfer as good as you could have before. And he was spot on. Yeah. Physics still applies. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, still be very top heavy if I had no legs. <laughs> that's true. So, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting because, you know, we have this piece of equipment and it really kind of breaks the threshold into making st- creating a culture around standing and walking for those that previously couldn't. Yeah. And it's we really have so far to go. 
We do. We have a lot. We have a long way to go. Um, and, you know, really, it's uh, it's 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 really important to to clarify that the rewalk itself is not meant to replace the wheelchair. It's meant to supplement that kind of use, right? I mean, there, just as much as there's the culture in sitting and, and being athletic in a seated position, there's also <laughs> a, a yeah. culture and a need for being upright, standing and walking. So the whole reason why this device exists, or at least, you know, kind of our, our philosophy behind it is there's so much to be gained by being upright and walking. And and I, I think, you know, it's, it's very easy to... 30,000 foot view. Yes. I want to walk again. But like, what does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? And that's a very different answer. Um, And what are the health benefits that you're going to realize by getting back to standing? What are the health benefits that I'm going to realize by getting back to standing and walking? So it's that's why I am in this game as a physical therapist with this piece of equipment. You know, the, the problem at hand is People with spinal cord injury or other lower limb disability tend to live more sedentary lives. Doesn't mean they're not active. It means they tend to be more sedentary um, in the sense that they're seated. Um, Yeah. And we talked about pressure relief, pain control. Talk a little bit real quick about that too, Zach. Like, didn't you have someone tell you that they were on considerably less pain medication the day after they did the rewalk? Yeah. Yeah. That guy, he was, he was awesome. He he was probably he picked it up, I think, faster than I've ever seen anyone pick it up. I mean, I remember wow. you know, the first day someone uses this equipment, really your goals are can they get in it comfortably? Do they fit well in the technology? And how do they tolerate standing and bearing weight on the crutches? And I remember that that was a question that was brought up, so I'll touch back on that. Um, but you know, if they're if they're walking 10, 20, 50 feet in the first go, awesome. That's really like all we need to say, okay. There is a learning curve here and we can run with that. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) He was zooming around on the clinic. I remember at one point he got so good in stride, he could do an about face. And he's not a veteran, but he could, while walking towards one direction in motion, rotate 180 degrees and go the other way with swing of the leg. It was really, I mean, I, I, I found my heart stopping watching him try to do that the first time. Yeah. Um, It's like, let's go for it. Yeah, it's holy ground. It's like sacred ground to witness that. I just can't imagine like the chills I would feel being you in that moment. You know, it it was it was neat because he had his kids there too and Aww. you know, being able to walk hand in hand with your kids is obviously really important and for him since he's bearing weight on his crutches, it's a little bit harder to do. So we got kind of created and took a little a strap and, and fastened it to one side of the, the the device and the kid was able it was almost like a leash yeah um, they were at least side by side walking um, yeah that's so cool so I checked in on him the next day and actually I, I kind of give it two days I, you know sometimes people feel a little bit sore I want to let them kind of process how they felt uh, give them a full day to really understand what was easier what changed because um, I don't try to sugarcoat it some people are going to be gassed that next day um, oh, it's yeah. a very fundamentally different experience for most people. Um, so, you know, I followed up with him and I was like, hey, you know, what what did you notice most prominently? And he's like, well, I tell you, you know, these last 11 years, I've been on two different opiates every morning to manage my pain. I'm yeah. in a lot of pain. 
And I noticed I was able to cut my dosage in half and get through the day. It's absolutely uh, incredible to hear that. Yeah. And and that's awesome. You know, it's just, he was, his back was finally loaded the way it should be. I mean, it really, uh, it really, really was inspiring. And, And I have to clarify that while these benefits can be realized, it's very important to go in understanding that those experiences are going to vary among people. And we're using research to try to more predictably say what exactly are those responses going to be. But we understand from a science and clinical framework, yes, we can understand why bladder bowel function could improve by using this equipment. We can understand why bone density can be better maintained because they're designed to bear load. Um, Yeah, so life-changing. That just blows my mind that like, and, but like, does it really though? When I think about it, it's like, well, duh, right? Like you and I both know the benefits of like you're saying load bearing and um, being able to get up and walk around and even just, you know, in your physical therapy realm, being able to stretch and have that extension of the foot and the bending at the knee. I mean, I even think about blood flow, circulation, like incredible, Zach. Well, I mean, imagine also psychosocially being able to engage people eye to eye Um, you know, being upright, allowing for better uh, cardiovascular functionality. Um, It's interesting, right? Because our profession in the medical industry in general is is founded on the notion of research and clinical advancement and using experimentation to improve things. But sometimes there is a little bit of value in just using intuition in the sense that someone injured by spinal cord injury their bone density decreases over time. It's just a fact. They're not they're not utilizing the same loads on their body as someone who could be upright and walking. So we needed the research to show that can the rewalk provide a similar level of experience to walking? And that experience being how is the force transmission in the limbs? Is it comparable to what a normal person experiences when walking cardiovascularly? Are their heart rates near similar when they're upright and walking? And these all check the boxes of yes. Meaning, so, so if we can, if we can at least say, look, from a physiologic standpoint, we may not be able to predict the outcomes, but we are saying that with exoskeleton assisted mobility, you are able to replicate the physiologic demands that someone unaffected by injury is imparting. So from a, from a, from a clinical standpoint, that's great because then that kind of helps the answer. All right, well, if a technology does that, then if the absence of standing and walking caused these things and a piece of technology can replicate what that absence of standing and walking was like, then it stands to reason then that technology can help improve those functionalities that were previously lost. Um, so that's why, I mean, and I mean that from a clinical standpoint, that's fairly easy to justify. Um, from a social standpoint, This technology wouldn't make sense for someone if when they're walking next to their family or their spouse or their friend, if they're huffing and puffing the whole time, it's not really a meaningful piece of equipment for them. Uh, Because, I I mean, imagine imagine my only way of socializing next to you would be if I was doing a dead sprint on my bike and you were just walking, you know, at a casual pace. That's not really a way for me to socialize with you. So so. The, the rigorous research that went into the development of the, this device had to first answer what impact most immediately is this having on the body? And yes, ground reaction forces are comparable to 
normal above ground walking and someone unaffected by injury. Cardiovascular demand is near similar to someone walking above ground uh, without spinal cord injury. You know, the, the, those demands are similar. So without repeating myself here, you yeah, know, no. it's, it's easy to make these conclusions, or at least I find it easy as a physical therapist to make these conclusions that yes, this equipment, when dosed and prescribed to the right population of people can have profoundly life-changing effects. Oh, absolutely. And it's like nothing comes right immediately. Like, I think the really hopeful part of Rewalk is if you put the time in and you challenge your body, and I imagine, too, when you're not in the Rewalk, um, working on weightlifting, working on the cardiovascular health, swimming, I mean, whatever you can do to kind of normalize your body being unsedentary again is pretty incredible. So I love the work you're doing, Zach. Thank you so much. Um, it's just so, so cool to hear about it. And I know people are going to be really inspired to hear all of this story and even just knowing the possibilities for their loved ones who go through disability or a stroke. I mean, how life changing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, again, I'm privileged to do what I do day in and day out. And, um, you know, um, it got brought up snagging in the back of my brain. I don't want to forget it. People ask, you know, what is it like bearing weight on the crutches with this equipment? When properly trained, again, these the, the impact on a user's body is, is, again, once they're trained and independent with it, they they are, it is not any more severe than what someone unaffected by injury would be uh, experiencing. So so the crutches really aren't uh, a source of, of risk for someone who wouldn't already be a risk for load bearing through their arms. Right. Um, it's almost like for balance, would you say? Yep, absolutely. Because when someone's properly balanced, it's actually near no effort for them to hold themselves up. They're just tapping the crutches on the ground. I would almost put my hand underneath their crutch. I would feel that confident. Wow. Um, one thing and I like to do. How do you steer it? So the way they steer it, 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 again, if you think, well, if you think about the physics of walking, we're putting weight on one leg pivoting our bodies over and then putting weight on the other leg. So if you put weight on one leg longer than the other with slight rotational torque, oh. you're going to start turning. It'd be like if you were rowing a boat and I held Absolutely. one oar still and I kept paddling the other oar, that's how Perfect. you turn. Right. Yes. So, so people, they're taught how to pivot on both their inside and their outside legs, as well as how to turn in motion. Um, and, and, then, and then to sit, do you lean forward and push on the two in front? So what there's a there's a functionality. So the, the device is controlled with a user's watch. Um, we really wanted to make it so that way the user could access every control right right within their field of vision without having to monkey around with other pieces of equipment. Oh my gosh, Zach, it's so cool. I would just love to see one of these in person one day and I'm going to make it a goal. Well, it's good to live near each other. It's good to live I, near each other. I know. I'm going to have to like come visit you at work sometime and check one out because it's at just. Work. You mean my home, my garage? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Um, you have one in your garage? That's so cool. Oh, oh boy. You, you talk about stories. So I remember before I moved into the house that we're in, uh, I was living in a small little rinky dink apartment and at one point, I had three rewalks in my apartment because I was delivering two of them. No, I was repairing one. I had my own demo unit and I was delivering another. And uh, I forgot they were there and they all had their shoes on. Um, <laughs> so I turned on the light and I see three pairs of feet. And I'm like, nah, 
And it just really spooked the crap out of me because that is so funny. Yeah, seeing seeing these things stand upright and walk empty, as I call it, or ghost, like it is a little spooky because it's just a set of legs walking. It's almost like watching a pair of pants like come yeah. It's literally like Iron Man. I mean, you said it perfectly. Zach, thank you so much. I feel like you covered even more about functionality with like how it works and kind of what people expect because I didn't even realize like that it was so easy to turn, but I totally know what you mean. Just being upright, um, kind of leaning on that foot and being able to pivot. That is so freaking cool. Like it's just not something you think of consciously. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It seems so foreign and Hey, it kind of was starting out and it's so cool that it's becoming more normalized. Hey there, I'm a born Minnesotan, now Michigan girl whose life was thrown into an ineffable state of uncertainty in 2014. I was 24 years old and diagnosed with a rare deadly tumor. Superhuman doctors at the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, Minnesota saved my life by cutting me in half, then putting me back together again with my leg bone. We decided to put me in a cauldron full of chemotherapy drugs for nearly a year in hopes of killing the mutated cells, while my incisions in my skin from three days of surgery took seven months to heal. It was so tough, but I'm so glad I'm here with you all on the other side. My fiance Tyler and I have started creating bonus content for our Patreon supporters. Patreon gives creators the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Having to ask people for money is difficult, and your support of this show is greatly appreciated. Thank you for sharing in my dream, and be sure to check out the bonus content online at patreon.com for slash push diaries podcast let's get back to the show the company is well over at least 10 years in existence as far as like conceptually where it started and it was birthed out of israel um a duo out there one was quadriplegic one was paraplegic they developed the first kind of iteration of the exoskeleton there um and then you know jointly rewalk kind of came on board and and they merged and the American team was born from there. So yeah, you're right. Uh, President Obama did get the chance to actually see some people using the rewalk when he had visited out um, in the Middle East. So, you know, much, much kudos to, to our partners and really our originators in Israel, because they are, they are behind the scenes developing the technology. We're, we're kind of the ones spearheading the, the clinical implementation of it. First called Argo Technologies, Argo okay. Medical, A-R-G-O. Yeah, I, I do believe Argo Medical, yeah, Rewalk came together. An American task force was created in conjunction with the German and European team, and and we all kind of have our own different challenges because of the way the healthcare industry is 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 uh, characterized. Technology, getting patients in upright and using it, but that's that's the first phase of it. The second yeah. phase, you know, I can just tell you earlier this week, we just submitted another guy. He uh, out out in Wisconsin, he's got workers' compensation, which is a historically great payer source for this equipment um good yeah and that's and that's really really nice so the other half of what we're doing is creating precedent and we have reimbursement because i wasn't work i wasn't prescribing medical equipment when i was treating remember i was treating low back pain and shoulder pretty non-invasive demographics so when when more involved technology needs to be implemented a lot of time letters of medical necessity have to be written and sent to these insurance companies and you hope that they pay for it and you often right. get denied and you have to fight it. Well, we came up with a team and a strategy to overcome that challenge. And so we have a packaged letter of medical necessity. We have a packaged, uh, you know, 
prescription kind of setup. And, and like we, we know how to have those communications now with the insurance groups. And part of what's driving that are the large chain relationships that we've built with the VA and with large commercial payer groups. Because now to say doing this prescriptively can predictably yield X, Y, Z results. That's incredible. It's like you have more people in your corner to help achieve the outcome that you're looking for. You know, and that's really what's what's been such a joy for me is that it's it is rewalk is very much a team as it is a product. Um, yeah. People are not left to fend for themselves here at any point. You know, we really try to guide not just the patients, but the clinicians, the medical providers, and to provide that education and motivation, really. I mean, it's yeah. really a, uh, a team effort to, to see it through. Because even when someone gets their own device, and the, whether they paid for it themselves, they got insurance to pay for it, or they, you know, settled or something, that's still not the end of it. Because they have to train on it, and they have to get good with it, and they have to be independent. Yeah take it out of their facility and use it at home. So sure. I that, can't believe that it's only been around 10 years. Like, so wait, so rewalk in the United States has been 10 years or even the Israel side, like, you know, everybody who's in a chair has one day thought like, Oh gosh, it'd be really cool to be able to somehow get up and walk. Right. Like, well, just think of, uh, well, how long has the comic book Iron Man been around? Right. right? I mean, you know, that's been around for decades. Exactly. So the the notion of robotic assisted mobility devices have been in the works forever because it at the time was the product of creative, imaginative fantasy like thinking. But now we're at that bridge of like, okay, no, this is reality. So you asked earlier, like, where do we need to go? I would say that we are at very much an early precipice still where we need to continue developing the equipment, making it sleeker, making it more accessible, um, because I, I kind of joke with some of my, my my users, and I was like, Google could come out with a device tomorrow, but doesn't mean they've come up with a way for it to get paid for. Yeah. So there's this relationship between innovation and access, because we could have something that's loaded to the T with all these cool gadgets and gizmos, but it, A, do we have the evidence to support that it does anything? B, is that adding to the cost point? So what we've decided to do instead, again, is how can we challenge the presently instated medical system, which in my opinion is only getting more difficult over these last few years, um, to to be more accommodating towards these individuals looking to utilize this life-changing technology. I imagine they're not born with the, you know what, I want to walk in this, I want to have to use this equipment as my only means of walking. Nobody, I don't think people like are born thinking that, but they shouldn't be restricted for being able to pursue that if they fit the bill. So no, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, as much as we don't want to talk about the bureaucracies, it, we have to like disability, like you're saying, I mean, disability, there are, we have leaps and bounds to go as far as bringing access to people that deserve it. And and when we talk about, yeah, um, decreasing suicide rates, I mean, you're talking about enhancing people's quality of life and that's priceless. It, it, it really is. And, and, you know, it's uh, w- when we communicate these medical benefits, we really take it seriously when we say, look, users have had improved bladder bowel function. Users have had decreased wow. pain users have had improved psychological well-being 
We can't say it's going to exactly happen in exactly this way, but if you subscribe to this level of thinking, these conclusions are fairly easy to come to. Um, yeah. So it's it's not often that I'm having to have these battles with clinicians. Most of the time, there are some clinicians that are very much influenced by the research agendas of their of their institutions, where they're like, you know, give me the evidence, blah 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 blah, and it's just like here's a video what more do you need yeah Um, here's youtube (laughs) exactly so um the 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 art form of what i do is not something that is really easily learned like in school which is the management and interaction with people and and it's i've read a lot of books and i've i've tested various like methods of inquiry and curiosity and it all really just boils down to like this all goes so much better when I can step back as far as I can and help others be that agent of control, whether it's right. And, and, and that's, and whether that's, I'm talking with a patient or a physical therapist or a CEO, right? My goal is to not talk. I want them to talk. I want them to tell me their things yeah. uh, because then I can better understand their needs and I can better kind of gauge like, hey, what do you think about this equipment? Let's 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 hash that out. Um, so, you, you know, there I do believe from a logistics standpoint and a technological aspect, like, yeah, there's still levels to be improved on. You're, you're going to see this equipment get lighter. You're going to see batteries lasting longer. You're going to see people walking faster. Um, in Germany, there is a stair function permitted by the device, by the rewalk. Um, in the U S you you would have to hack a rewalk to be able to do it, but it wasn't FDA cleared here in the U S like it was in Germany. They're a little bit more expensive there. So the future for the American rewalk is to be able to do stairs as well. I I believe that is in the works. Yes. And that's incredible, Zach. It it really, it really is nice to, to take, you know, take any element of some walking point. And make it so that way, whether you were using a machine or your own two legs uh, to do the same thing. So, um, you know, you're going to see more digital integration. You're going to see um, more cloud communication between the device and clinicians and all of that. But again, there's this there's this kind of catch 22, you know. Access needs to be appropriate enough where we're not batting our head, battering our heads against the wall of insurance because we're a business. We need the rewalks to be paid for for us to then finance a research and development team to then make the product better. But the product's already really, really good. So now it's, rely- it, you know, that's why we have such an amazing leadership team. Well, here. I guess I have to go talk to the legislators. I guess I Absolutely. have to bang the doors. Right. Gosh darn it. I really have been putting my heels into the earth. I really don't want to, but I guess I need to. Well, you know, and we've we've taken certain metri- certain things to, you know, up up the up to Capitol Hill and whatnot. And, you know, it's uh, it's it is like it was cool. I had the chance to um, talk very, very briefly with uh, former former governor Kasich down in Ohio at COSI, which was like my favorite place to go to as a kid. I've heard a lot about COSI. Big old science museum. So Todd and I did an expo at COSI and Governor Kasich was there and it was really, really neat um, just to kind of talk about. Uh, Tell me about that. Well, it was just a, just a little tech showcase. I mean, it was primarily focused on transportation, 
but they did invite Rewalk to come out and and showcase the you know their exoskeleton device and and really I just stood back. Todd was walking around. He he could answer. He could have the same discussion you and I are having right now. He just he he's he's another great dude. All uh, right, I'm gonna have to get get a hold of Todd. Todd's a good guy. He'll talk to you. he. He actually, he and I were invited to do a TED Talk here in Michigan, and I was so bummed that I couldn't make it. But he did it, and one of my colleagues out west flew in and did it with him. So there is a TED Talk online with Todd. I'll send you a link. Good. Thank you. I'm going to put that on the on the web page, too, with this episode. That is sweet. Yeah, okay. I was super jealous because I've always wanted to talk a TED Talk. So that's why, like, that's I was so like, cool. I to listen to myself on Spotify. If you keep on this um, trajectory in your life, I really feel like you could get another opportunity. <laughs> so keep your chin up. I mean, heck, we're so young. And the fact that we have determination and, again, I don't, I don't mean to, like, tout your um, character, but at the same time, it's like, you deserve that. And so do I, like, I, I, right. It's like, come on, let us, let us look up to the sky and take all the credit we can. Yeah. (laughs) But seriously, it's like, I really believe that, um, like you're saying to be able to have the mentality of wanting to keep achieving, like you have that and you, and you hope for that for your clients. And, you know, heck, with more people in our corner that believe in themselves and also believe in their clients and also believe in the technology that's out there, great things can happen. I mean, this is nothing to be quiet about. I just think it's amazing. So what did the governor say? Did you hear anything that he said that was inspiring or hopeful as far as funding goes? You know, he 90 percent of the conversation was him asking about Todd's experience using it. How has it been for him? Things like that. And, you know. It, it, it really, I mean, we had 90 seconds with him, right? It was very small. Uh, I can send you that picture too. It's a cool picture. Um, Do it. He'd asked, you know, what are your biggest challenges right now? And we're like, getting more people like Todd into this equipment um, and making that accessible. And he's like, you know, what what can legislation do to make it that way? And it's like, well, we need to we need to decrease the barriers of access that patients have with these complex conditions that are often limited by time and by money when right. really, you know, if, if the, if, if the, if the governing bodies that be understood that this equipment could be potentially cost prohibitive, once I bring in costs, maybe that'll get their ears a little bit more, but to, to a rewalk user that like, I, I remember working with one guy, he said for the last 11 years, he had been taking two basically two different forms of opiates. He'd take like yeah. two of them a day to manage his pain. And he said, using that equipment, the next day he he cut his dosage by half. Wow. I can tell you right now that if I had rewalk in my life, I would be taking significantly less pain, pain meds as well. I mean, such a big part of disability um, or paraplegia pain um, is having to sit and not be able to offload while still remaining active because if you were paralyzed Zach you get it like you wouldn't want to have to go lay down in your bed three times a day to help with pain like that might be good for my body physically but that's not good for my body mentally no not at all you want to be upright right you want to you you don't want people seeing your the top of your scalp all day right like it's it's so there there is a tackling tackling the 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 entry point 
or at least the barriers to entry points in the healthcare system with the rewalk is is the same battle that other people are fighting across other different professions and and right. you know it we're trying to cut the cut the reliance on pharmaceuticals we're trying to expedite medical treatment and, and improve these patient outcomes again we we just want the rewalk to be seen as one of those solutions um so you know that's why we have this reimbursement team that's fighting to get Medicare Medicaid coverage. We actually are making progress with our Medicare Medicaid coverage bids. And it's like, if we can get, we're recognized by them right now as a code, meaning if I sent this billable code for this unit, they'd be like, oh, the rewalk doesn't yeah. have to pay for it. So right. now, you know, over the next year, our team has been very, very dedicated to, to overcoming that and, 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 and creating a framework for these, this equipment to be funded. Um, so again, that's why our reliance on the VA has been so critical because there is policy in place for that is government funded. Yeah. These veterans who very much deserve to have access to this equipment to do so. So now we can say, here's an N of a hundred. Here's a hundred paralyzed veterans who span the age of 30 to 55. Like I'm, I'm making that up. But, yeah, that want to do the rewalk, that that have said that it that it works and that it makes a positive impact on their life, and correct. they're taking less medication. And for crying out loud, if someone is going to go overseas and risk their lives for our freedoms, don't they deserve that? Absolutely, hundred percent. And we equally want to have this technology available to everyone, the yeah. everyday user. But we we are so blessed to be able to to sync up sure. with with yep. these veterans first yeah um, it's like this is a milestone we're starting here but we we both you and i and rewalk have dreams of you know being able to access many other people and again circling back to social work and your um you know history with working with um engineering and pt like this all circles back around and and it's important Advo advocating for disability rights like it just makes me think of like the voice that you and I have and me even just as a disabled paraplegic it's like I have to be louder I have to advocate even though it makes me uncomfortable like my voices are voices like mine are the voices that need to be heard you know so again I just thank you for the work you're doing and it's exciting to see where we could get in another 10 years though isn't it yeah, yeah, it really is. And, you know, just if I can, if there are any savvy clinicians out there, you know, just the, the it's it's such a rewarding field being in this field. It's funny, I, I swore off, I actually swore off like neuro rehab as a career option for me because I just, it didn't connect with me in school, um, which is ironic because it's something I'm thriving in. Um, so, you know, I I welcome people to, really challenge themselves, uh, you know, you have to, you have to really balance this idea of like chase your passions versus like do what you're good at. Cause if, if I had left physical therapy to become a painter, I, I would, I would not have succeeded. I am a terrible artist. Right. So I, I was able to identify other skill sets that I had. I'm still a physical therapist. I'm just applying right. my background a little bit differently. And I encourage people, you know, this, what do I want to be when I grow up? Like, constantly keep challenging yourself on that because 100 percent you know it's just uh it, it's gotten me where i've wanted to be i'm living a life that i didn't think i'd be living this early on um and i'm very very happy doing it and um yeah and selfishly this job selfishly fulfills 
the things I needed to fulfill in my life. Um, and I'm grateful for the chance to be able to talk about it. And again, the entirety of the focus and that that gratitude is centered around the people, my team, the patients that I work with that really donate their lives to me and say, look, like I'm in your care. I want you to help me help myself succeed. And it's like, oh, my pleasure, my honor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're becoming um, I just keep thinking of like humility, like you and your team have the humility to want to do well, but also help people as much as you can. And it's it's a gift. And like you're saying, this this early on in your career, like it's just so cool. And I know you're going to continue to adapt and so will rewalk. And, you know, hey, everybody listening, go update your LinkedIn profile, Scott, yes. and challenge yourselves. Um, keep doing internships, keep looking for um, experience where you can and and also not shooting down. Right, Zach, like opportunities that might come up that make you uncomfortable. Push the envelope. Go go meet those people. Have those conversations because yeah. you could surprise yourself and in turn, like help a ton of people. Yeah, I was really guided by this website called the Non-Clinical PT. There's a she her name is Meredith Caston. And she's got a great resource available for people questioning their career, right? Again, this isn't to this isn't to marginalize the physical therapist population, but rather to show them that like, hey, you could be doing so much more with your profession. So it's like I want to plug that because it helped me. Yes. Um, no, I'm happy you are. What's the name of that gal? Uh, I believe her name is Meredith Caston. Meredith Caston. Um, you know, so she's done she's done kind of similar things like you. She'll interview people. Where were you? How did you get to where you're at? pretty awesome what you're doing. You know, there are people that went from PT to finance. There are people that went from PT to the insurance side, which is a really interesting jump. So um, again, it's just, uh, if, if this if this session does anything beyond educating and, and getting people excited about the rewalk, I hope it also helps motivate people and just say, look, like, you know, there, there are, there are so many resources available for you to find exactly what you need to thrive. And for me, that was making that jump, making that jump away from clinical care as it's been traditionally defined. Oh, it's so exciting. I, I just think it's so cool that like as these, I don't know, basic job descriptions that we all have like studied or learned about in college, like you're saying, once you get into one of those kind of offshoots, you can go really anywhere with it. And that's how cool is that? It's exciting that you're like paving a way for the people that are going to come after you and your mentor and your boss that did the same for you. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I, I still remain grateful for that. Just the, the opportunity that he helped me to create, you know, based on, on his guidance. And it's like, man, if I can do that, I would be so pleased. So, you know, I, 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 I appreciate this chance of, of just us getting to know each other and then chatting on here yes. and, and, and all of that. And there's certainly so much more I want to learn about what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, well, hey, it goes for me, for you too. And, you know, as the years go by, Zach, even if you're not doing exactly this in five, six years, like, you know, if you hear of something about advocacy in Michigan, please send it to me. I mean, I can share it with the listeners down the road. Um, keep us up to date on your life and how Rewalk is changing. And, you know, as far as the Medicare Medicaid side, how I can be an asset to positive change, because I want to be kind of kept in the loop about that, too. Absolutely. Well, no, Tess, I this has been fantastic. Um Definitely let me know if there's anything I can clarify on or add to. I, I, this is fun. I've I've never tr I've never truly been in a podcast before, so I yeah. I'm, uh, I've, I've I've enjoyed it. It's been a blast. 
I've never made a podcast before. You're like going to be the 20th episode. So I'm just excited about people, you know, like you're saying with COVID, it's like such a weird time. And I I think more than ever, the people in our country need to feel heard and need to feel validated and have their stories mean something, even if it's just kind of getting on their level. And that's exactly what Rewalk is all about, being able to look people in the eyes and um, open up a livelihood that they maybe never thought possible for themselves. And I just think it's so cool. Are there insurance companies that are more supportive of covering like health partners or is that bad to say like actual- no it's not bad to say i mean i'm happy to call out any company that was you know good yeah good for the you know for the business right um you know here in michigan we had success with um blue cross blue shield that was the, the patient my first one that we uh, it was a 10-month process but it we took it all the way to the external medical review but we won our case patient Woo-hoo! Got our- yeah so it was it was a big deal so then you so know so- yep so if anyone's listening that wants to try three walk and they have Blue Cross Blue Shield, contact Zach. Yeah, I would say I would say that, especially those with, you know, auto, like especially Michigan Auto is a big, big we, we capitalize on that a lot. Like we've got a great way of finding success there. Workers' compensation's a yeah. big one too. Um, yeah. any so veterans if, out there. If someone that, like worked on a tower and fell at work and broke their back, they yep. might be able to get coverage with rewalk or like you're saying veterans. Okay. But I, I really want to make sure to say that, you know, even those that have, you know, commercial policies, um, actually health, uh, really quick though, health partners has, has been a pretty good one for us because we, we, they're, they're interesting because their, their hospital system is like health partners. Right. In the insurance. So, we actually, um, I, I know the medical team quite well there. So that one I would welcome with open arms. Health partners covered my surgery and that was not small potatoes. Like Great. that was a very extensive surgery. They covered sure. my hospital stay, my chemo. So yeah, they were they were incredible. Yeah. And, and really the last thing I want to do is to alienate someone, right? So if there are questions, I would, inc- I would be the one if you're anywhere between Michigan, Ohio, all the way to the Dakotas in that area, um, draw a little line around that. I would be your point of contact. And if I'm not, I can forward you to whomever that would be. But certainly it wouldn't hurt to have you on record in our file as these other companies come to play, you know, Anthem, United, uh, Medicare, Medicaid. Like if we have you in our system and those come up, rest assured, we're going to be reaching out and saying, hey, look, now's probably a good time for us to start talking this so um cool. certainly i want to i want to make a point in saying like the worst thing you could i mean the the the, the worst that happens is that hey right now maybe this isn't the most appropriate so at but, least but you, the, but you still want people to reach out and make that connection so that they're in the system and also when you go back and look okay what kind of need is there for people on medicaid medicare right. if you have you know a thousand people in your system that have said zach i want to do this Yep. We're going to be able to make change on a government legislative level. Yep. And that's that's the data that we're trying to compile, right? It's like how many people fit the bill and only aren't doing this because of restrictions that are not defined by their bodies or their capabilities. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's that's uh, that's probably, yeah, one of the biggest plugs is just let's have that conversation. Where can people have those conversations besides like with Rewalk? I mean, I'm even thinking about like Facebook groups, like Spinal Cord. It's called like SCI Facebook group or something like yep. that. 
I'll link it for people too. And if you're interested, but the guy who runs that page, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of followers. And I even think like, how many people on there could we screen and say, hey, who's interested in this? It would just be neat to figure out, you know, with the world of social media, it's like we have more and more capabilities of kind of finding these people. So yeah, there's a group we fo- I follow, Spinal Cord Injury Rehab and Recovery is one of them. Um, you know, I really try not to poach from these groups. If people have questions naturally, I'll jump in and I'll answer something um, or maybe introduce myself every once in a while. But social media, word of mouth, like old school ways of connecting people is still our most successful form. You know, I could I could host a seminar, but that's going to, you know, people are going to have to voluntarily join in on that whereas yeah, like yeah. this word of mouth that like it travels so much faster um and it's frankly like i, I can work in that space a little bit better so um cool. so Very cool. yeah, these these conversations are easy to have you just got to know where to do it so yeah. all right well so we have like 10 minutes left and i want to just return the thanks for you coming on but yeah. are there any other like pointers or um just experiences you've had? I mean, anything on your mind that you want to share with people that's been either like inspirational to you or kind of filled your cup as far as like wanting to continue down this road? Well, let me turn the lens really quick. If you were to have a rewalk in your hands right now, what would be the first thing you'd want to do? Take my dogs for a walk. I'd go on a hike. Go on a hike. I would also walk down the aisle. Um, I'm getting married. We were going to get married next year, but now like all of our friends and family that were going to get married this year because of COVID, you know, you're like, yeah, (laughs) they're going to do a 2021 or 2022. So as of right now, Tyler and I are planning on 2022, but I might change my mind and tell the listeners like, okay, never mind. We're getting married in four months because I can't stand this anymore. But Another perfect example, you know, I'm an auntie. I love spending time with my sister's kids. I would drive home right now with that stinking rewalk and I would go on a hike with those kids, you know. That would be um, fun. Yeah, you know, walk with them as they're kicking a ball in a soccer field or, um, you know, even just have Joza be able to hold on to my stick as I walk along as if we're holding hands. Like, I just think something like that would be incredible. I miss so much being able to run and play and tackle those kids in the yard or, you know, pick them up by their feet. Like just being able to get in the yard with them and play, I would do all those things. It would be incredible to be able to walk again. So for sure, take walks with my friends and family, walk down the aisle um, and play with the kids. Those are my, I know you asked for one, but I've given you like three, you know, I I even think of like, you know, being able to explore the world where I normally couldn't, like going to Thailand and walking down dirt streets or going on a safari and being able to take a walk like through an African field or, you know, whatever the case may be, be touring Italy again with, you know, I've been to Italy before and I walked the, like I walked the country. I didn't, I wasn't in a chair then. So having those freedoms back would be just incredible. And I think it's sad too, Zach, that like, People that have been in a chair their whole lives, you know, learned helplessness is a real thing. And some people don't even think of it as an opportunity because they've never had it. And for me, it's given me a bigger drive and interest in having these conversations with people like you and Rewalk because it's it's a level that you understand and that I understand that no one else could, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I think you, I think you put that all together perfectly. Like, and that, and that's why this equipment is so neat because. 10% of the conversation is really focused on the equipment itself, but the other 90% is like, all right, what's the lifestyle I want to build around it? And, you know, there's a lot of people that think about using this from the framework of like, I've lost the ability to walk, but there are some that never had the ability in the first place. Um, you know, I had a guy uh, that we evaluated um, here in Michigan that had a congenital condition that left him paralyzed at the age of four. He has no recollection of walking. Um, so, you know, when we got him in the device, it was so funny. He's like, I have a headache, but it's not a bad one. It's mostly because I'm confused it's because my body doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah. His body's like, what is this cardio that you're putting me through? Uh, and it, and wow. he, he's, he's, he's come to be a really great friend of mine. He's, he's made an absolute killing for himself. Just, uh, you know, very well-established engineer, um, going into law school. Like he's just a brilliant brilliant guy and i love hearing seeing his brain work figuring this out because he's simultaneously figuring out how the device works and how his own body works inside of it so it's been uh there's always something i'm trying to learn and and he's a great example because not everyone who uses this equipment is coming from the framework of having lost that ability some are like i I just, I would like to be able to walk. I just but don't know I, what it's like. Yeah, I don't know anything about what that is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What a sacred thing for you to experience. Or like a holy, it's like holy ground. Yeah, it's it's really neat, right? And that comes back to that that engineering mindset of mine where, you know, the human body is, is presently the way our architecture is, is designed for movement and load bearing on our limbs that's not to say you're any less if you're doing it differently right. it's just like we're, we're that's what the human body was created for correct being upright but again people do that in different ways and and i and i think decades from now i think decades from now people are gonna look at the rewalk and be like look at that dusty old coat rack sitting in the corner you know yeah, it's gonna be I so too yeah, you know, th this stuff is going to be fused. It's going to be like it's going to be like Iron Man. It's going to be like you're going to hit a button and things are going to fuse out from our skin and you're going to fly around. I mean, I, I, I'm, so I'm, sweet. <laughs> yeah, I've got lucky hopes, but yeah, you know. they, they they like make it waterproof and you can like water ski or like I don't know. I'm even thinking like riding horse or. Yeah. or I mean, you know, I used to love to ride horse. I, I grew up, you know, from the age of 15, I grew up training a horse for um, just, just you know, working at my house. We would just do trail rides. But, like, it was just what a neat experience. And, again, whatever we can do, right, as a society to help people live a more normal life and experience the same things we all do, what a great thing to foster. So, again, thank you for your work. Thanks for coming on. Is there anything else you want to share? Um. No, um, I will say though, well, yes, I uh, one little plug, right? Um, we're talking a lot about large care change in the healthcare system because that's what is going to make this technology more accessible. And I would say to the listener, as cliche as this is going to be, like, get your damn selves to the booths, like, vote, vote. whether it's in like in person or in mail, do it, do it early, 
educate yourself on who's going to best support the policies you want to see in place, but like make those voices heard because that does impact my job and my lifestyle directly. And it impacts those people downstream 10 times more. So I guess I will, this is, that's the most political I'm ever going to sound on this well, thing. But like, but Zach, you're vote, so right. Like, go vote. It, yep. If people don't have an understanding of disability and like you said, you were blessed as a kid to not know anyone directly that needed like PT care, but we all know that aging is inevitable, right? Okay. Disability is inevitable. Zach, I hope you live a long life and I hope you never need a wheelchair. But the reality is we all could need a wheelchair at some point in our lives, right? And yeah, why yeah. not bring access to the people that we love now instead of wait for it and then come up short for the people we love? I mean, that is everything and also nothing to do with politics, right? It's just a very yeah. human level. So. I agree. Go vote. November's coming up soon, you guys. So do your research and and thank you so much, Zach, for your time. And um, like I said, I have a whole list of plugs now that we can put on your page. Oh, good. So, you know, I can link the Argo and Obama's YouTube video. I mean, the couple people we talked about, Claire, Todd, Adam, um, and anything else you think of that would be beneficial, just let me know that TEDx talk. Um, and Meredith's website too. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Hey, Tess, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It was super fun. You take care, Zach. Hey, you too. I'll see ya. Bye. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com. And consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pushdiariespodcast. Thank you for listening.